Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Well, let me call our attention one more time to the book of James. We're going to be looking at the last two verses in chapter number one, I mentioned last week that uh, the section of Scripture that we dealt with last week, probably the breakdown of chapter and verse might have been a hindrance in those because someone can take those and just pull them out. Uh, it, it's It's simple sometimes and easy to do that, to say, okay, we're going to deal with this and we're not going to talk about anything that surrounds it. Well, how would it be, my wife, my wife and I dated for two years. It, while we were dating at one point in time, she's in South Carolina and I'm in North Carolina. At another point in time, I'm in Florida and she's in North Carolina. So we did what very few do anymore. We didn't have cell phones so there wasn't texting back and forth. Uh, if you made a call, it was a long-distance call, which cost a great deal more money than a regular call. So there was very few calls. So the only thing that was left was to sit down, take a pen and piece of paper, and write. When I would open up my letters that I would get from my wife and buy the by the way, we were, I was, I was a youth pastor for my uncle at the time, and I was living with him. He was pastoring a church in Walnut Cove, North Carolina, and my wife would write those letters and send them to me, but she always sprayed them with something before she put them in the mailbox. My uncle <laughs> told me at one point in time, he said, I always knew before I ever opened the mailbox whether or not you had a letter. Uh, it was the fragrance was evident. Uh, but I said all of that to say this. When I opened that letter, I read it from beginning to end. I didn't pick out this portion and say, wait a minute, but you said this. And that's what we tend to do if we're not careful with the Word of God. We tend to take the letters that are written to the churches. James has written a letter to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, understanding that James is a pastor. He's, he, he has that pastoral care over the church. And he's writing to these churches and he's telling them the things that he's telling them so when he's writing that letter to them, he's not wanting them to take this section and pull it out and say, well, here's what this is. He wants, him, he wants us and wanted them to understand the whole context of everything. And they did because they didn't have the portions of chapters and verses that you and I have. I'm not saying that we ought to wait, do away with chapters and verses. We shouldn't. It makes it very easy for me to say, let me call your attention one more time to the book of James chapter number 1. It's a whole lot easier for you to find that in the Word of God. So there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that when we, 
when we pull those things out and we make them standalone statements or standalone sections, when they're not a standalone section, we misconstrue things and we get things wrong. James has laid a foundation for us in this opening part and the greatest portion of chapter number one. James has laid a foundation in which the entirety of the rest of his letter is going to rest upon. He has set some things in order. He has told us in verse number one of chapter number one, he told us who he was. It was James, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we understand from our introduction in the book of James, we understand that James did not even trust that Jesus was Christ until after the resurrection. This is some 30 years, when we find this writing, this is some 30 years after the resurrection. And James is writing... And he's saying, I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have said, I'm a servant of God and stopped at that. But he wanted everybody to know because he is the brother of Christ. He didn't say that I'm a servant of God and my brother. He said, I'm a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Put all of the names together so that you understood who he was a servant of. So James is telling us that, and he said in, in that authority, James is telling us that these trials that happen are building our faith. He gives us the way to wisdom in those trials. He tells us that the real wisdom is the wisdom we find in chapter number 3 and verse number 17. The wisdom that comes from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of what? Full of mercy, good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So James is telling us about that wisdom that we can have, and he tells us that we can have it just for the asking. He goes on to tell us where these temptations come from. He tells us that God doesn't do the tempting, that these temptations, a lot of these trials, a lot of these things that are happening are brought upon ourselves. They're, they're self-inflicted things, but God is showing us that even in the middle of those things, God takes those things and turns them around and uses them to our good and to our benefit. Then he tells us that there is a difference between hearers and doers. These are the, the portions and sections of Scripture if we weren't careful someone would take out and put over here and say we're just going to deal with just this. And that's the way that most of the people misconstrue the entirety of the book of James. They're, they're telling you that James is saying that your salvation is of works, but it's not. And you and I understand that from Scripture. You can't take a a letter out of the Word of God and make it go contrary to the entirety of the Word of God. Just as you can't misconstrue a statement in a letter to say something that the whole letter's not saying, you cannot take one book out of the Word of God and make it say something that the rest of the Word of God's not saying. Right. Right. So understanding all of that, James is bringing us to this portion that we covered last week on how that we have 
two places that we look. When we look into the mirror of the Word of God, we're going to see one of two things. We're going to see ourselves, and if we see ourselves, we're going to walk away condemned. We're going to walk away defeated. We're going to walk away not being uplifted. But if we look at Christ and we look at the sufficiency of Christ and we look at the completeness of Christ, then we can walk away in rest and in what James talked about, the liberty that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have liberty because we are no longer under the bondage of the law. We don't have to we do not have to live the law perfectly because Christ has lived it perfectly for us. You and I are called to live the law, but we live the law imperfectly. We we do what we we, we do our best to obey the law of God. But just because we fail in places does not bring condemnation upon us because the Bible said, now there remaineth no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you take, like I said, if you take the entirety of the Word of God and let the Word of God say what the Word of God says, we'll fully understand what James was trying to say when he was talking to these people. So we that brings us to the portion of Scripture that we're in this morning. He gives us a tremendous foundation to build on and one that we will help us see the way in which he is trying to deal with things throughout the rest of this epistle. I said all of that, and I, I, I gave you all of that to say this. John, uh, John, James, in these two verses, is being pivotal or transitional in what he is dealing with. James has laid the foundation that he's laid, and he's told us that if we're to look at anything in light of the Word of God, in light of the law of the Word of God, in light of all of these things, we're not to look to ourselves, but we're to look to Christ. We're to look to Christ as He that hath finished all things. That being said, this is a transitional point where James is going to begin to allow us to look in another direction. But all the same time that we're looking in another direction, we're still seeing things through the same eyes that James laid as this foundation. And hopefully, uh, by the conclusion of this morning, you'll understand what I'm saying. Look in verse number 26 and verse number 27. This is in light of what James just got through saying that we preached about last week. James makes this statement in 26 and 27. He said, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. If I were to take this text and preach only this text, 
not look at anything else around it and do what the majority of people would do with this text, I'd give you three points. The three points I would give you is to visit the fatherless and visit the widows and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. And James is telling us to do those things. But he's not telling us to do those things in order to prove who we are. This is not a... I said this a couple of Sundays ago. This is not a test. Remember those... Uh, those tones that would go off on the TV or radio and then you'd hear those tones and it would say, this is a test. This is only a test of your emergency broadcasting system. Well, this is not a test. This is not James trying to find out whether or not you're a real child of God. How do, we, how do I know if you're a real child of God? I do by your testimony that you believed God. If you believed Christ and you trusted Him for your salvation, that is all that I have to go on. And that's all I need to go on. I'm not, I'm not here to be judgmental. It, that's, not, that's not my lane. That's for God and God alone. That doesn't belong to me. So I will not, I will not preach in that fashion. I will not present the Word of God in that fashion because that's not my lane. The relationship that we have between us and God is between us and God. And that's God's lane, not mine. But for us to understand what James is talking about here, I think it, I think it would befit us to look at three words that James uses. And these three words, as he uses them, are, are very conserved in the Word of God. And when I say conserved, they're not used very much in any other portion of Scripture. In fact, some of them are not used anywhere else. But I want us to look at three, these three words. I want us to consider the word religion. I want us to consider the word bridleth. And I want us to consider the word pure. I know that James says a lot more stuff in this passage of Scripture and we don't have the time to dig into everything he says. So I'm going to try to give you a little something this morning that I hope and pray will help us to understand this passage of Scripture just a little bit better. That word religion that James uses in verse number 26, he said, If any man seem to be religious, and then he uses the word in the latter part of that verse, that man's religion... And then he talks about in verse 27, pure religion. That word religion, as we see it, there's only four places that you find it in the Word of God. There's only three places that you find it that it is the word religion or religious. How many times did we see it here in these two verses? In religion or religious? Three times. What I'm saying is this is the only place that this word is used and it's, and it's translated religion or religious. The only other place you find this word in the word of God is you find this word it, where it, it, it talks about worship. There's another section where it talks about worship. We do find one place uh, where it talks... In, in the book of Acts, I, I was mistaken. In the book of Acts, it does talk, mention the word religion 
when Paul is before Agrippa. But I want you to understand the meaning of this word. The meaning of this word, religion or religious, is ceremonious or external display. Ceremonious or external display. Paul goes before Agrippa in Acts chapter number 26 and he talks to them about his religion before Christ. And he says that his religion before Christ was that he was a Pharisee. And as he's standing before them, he's telling them that his display, what he looked like, who who he presented himself to be was a Pharisee. James is telling us in this passage of Scripture, he said, if any man seemed to be what? Seemed to be religious. If he, if he says that he is religious and his display is religious, and he bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. And then James goes on to tell us what poor, what pure religion looks like. You say, what's that got to do with anything? I want to deal with these other words and then we'll come back and, and we'll look at what this has to do with, with what James is trying to say. I want us to consider the word bridleth. There is only two places that the word bridle or bridleth is mentioned. He says it here, and he says it in James chapter 3 and verse number 12. Or verse number 2, I'm sorry. Chapter 3 and verse number 2. So the only two places that you find the word bridle or bridleth is in the book of James. James is talking about bridling. He's looking at uh, that word bridle means to hold in check or to restrain. Restrain means holding in check or restraining. That's what you do with a horse when you put the bridle in the horse's mouth. And when when James is talking about, in fact, when he talks about it in verse number in chapter number uh, three and verse number two, he is talking about. He says, "For many things we offend. If any man is offended in the word, and the same is a perfect man, unable." to bridle the whole body. He's dealing with that, that bridle that turns the horse where the horse is going. Uh, James is not telling us that as the children of God that we're to stick a bridle in our mouth. But he's telling us, he will go on to tell us what that bridle is, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But understand this. That word pure that he's mentioning here in verse number 27, he said, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That word pure means to be clean, free from corruption, sincere, genuine, blameless, innocent, unstained by guilt of anything. How many of us can actually do that? Can we actually do that? We can't. So what do these words have to do with anything as far as what James is trying to tell us? What has he just told us? 
He's just told us that when we look into the Word of God, we're going to see one of two things, correct? We're going to see ourselves. When you look in the Word of God and you read the Word of God, you're either going to read the Word of God looking at it as, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. I need not to do or I need not to do. Are you going to look at it as Christ has done everything? You're going to look at it one of two ways. You're going to walk away looking at the Word of God, feeling as though you cannot do enough. That's the problem. You and I cannot do enough. We can't be good enough. Why, why, why do we get in trouble when we were children and we were at home? Why do we get in trouble? Because we weren't good enough in the sight of mom and dad. We didn't do what they said. Why do we, why do we get in trouble in the world? Because I wasn't good enough driving down the interstate because I was, I was passing everybody else and the policeman decided I wasn't being a good boy. I won't tell you about... Anyway, those things happen. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's, let's get back to the message. We, 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 we can't be good enough. We can't continually do everything correct. But Christ did. He has finished everything. So if we're going to look at what James is telling us, it is those things on display. And those things are on display. If we're, if we're considering things that are on display, they are on display for what? What is it that is on display? It is us in Christ and Christ in us. And that display is not for God. Does God know you? Does God know me? Sure He does. Yes. He, knows, he knows us as we are. And if He knows us as we are, our display of religion is not on His behalf. It's not on, our, on His behalf because He already knows us. So who is it for? It's for those that are around us. It is, I, God does not need my good works. He doesn't. Christ has done enough. God doesn't need my good works. But my neighbor does. My, my neighbor needs me to be kind. My neighbor needs me to be charitable. My neighbor needs me to be gracious. My neighbor needs me to be merciful. God doesn't need that from me, but my neighbor needs that from me. And the only way that we can be that is through Christ. Through that rest that we have in Christ. Through understanding that it is us in Christ, and in turn it is Christ working in us. I've said this, as long as I can remember, and I think my children can attest to this, I've made this statement. If you see anything bad in me, that's all me. If you look at me 
and you check off a box and say, man, he just fails in that area, that's me. But if you look at me and you see anything good in me, that's not me. That's God. I don't have the ability. I don't, I don't have the know-how to do that except Christ does that in me. Except Christ does that through me. You don't have that ability either. None of us have that ability. So if you look at me and see anything wrong, that's me. Don't blame God for that. That's me. But if you look at me and see anything right, you can say glory be to God for the work that the Father has done. It is not me. And it's the same way when I look at you and we look at one another. That's the reason we come in and encourage one another in the things of God. Because if there's anything, if, you, if you're doing anything good, I look at you and I see Christ. I know that it is Christ doing it in you. That display of what? It is Christ in us and us in Christ. But who is that display for? It is to those that are around us. It is for those that are around us whether they be saved or whether they be lost. We have the mentality sometimes that and, and we've even made the statement that, that we may be the only Bible that person has read. And we may be the only... And, and, and we should keep that, that mindset. That should help us. But one of the ways that we remain right before our neighbors and one of the ways that we remain right before others is that we, we see Christ. I was talking to a gentleman this week at work and he and I were discussing something and, and he was his statement to me was this. He said, I sure am glad you can't read my mind. Because he said, I have a problem with my mind. He was just being honest. He said, I'm glad you can't read my mind. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad you can't read mine this morning. And, I, and to be even more honest with you, I'm glad I can't read yours. Amen. Why? Because our minds lead us into trouble. It leads us into problems. But if our minds be stayed upon Christ, if we allow ourselves to think about Christ when we look into the Word of God, we see Christ, that develops things in us that we can't develop in ourselves. It does things in us that we can't do ourselves. You cannot, without Christ doing it in you, you cannot be a witness to this world. You can put every effort you want to put into it and you will not be a witness to this world except Christ do it in you. We can have all the formulas, we can have all the statements, we can, we can memorize them, we can get them down, but if God doesn't do the work, is it going to be done? No. Paul told us Apollos is watered, and, 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 but God giveth the increase. He said, I have planted Apollos is water, but God giveth the increase. Yes. Yes. There is no increase outside of God. So God is not testing us to find out if we're, 
we're Christian enough to be that witness, He's telling us to look to Him. And we're to look to Him to have that display so that this world does see Christ in us and us in Christ. What's the purpose of it all? What's the purpose of everything that I've, that I've just got through saying? It's so that God get the glory. If I flip my suspenders and I tell you how great I am, God doesn't get the glory. Heard one preacher got up and got ready to preach and well, he preached that Sunday morning. He's going to be back Sunday night. He said, by the way, all of you come back tonight. And he said, I'm going to preach a message on my humility and how I obtained it. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> you didn't obtain it. And if you're preaching that, you didn't get it. <laughs> and that's basically what he was saying. But we don't have the ability to do any of this. It is Christ working in us. It is us seeing Christ as James has just got through telling us. But he's doing all of what he's done and he's pivoting to the point to where he's telling, he's going to start telling us about works in our life. He's going to start talking about works in our life. What, what, did, what did the Apostle Paul tell us that we are? We are, in, in the book of Ephesians, he tells us we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are the workmanship of God. That is what this world needs to see. This world does not need to see my works. It doesn't need to see my do-betters because my do-betters turn out to be plunders and turn out to be something that falls apart. They need to see His work in me. How do they see His work in me? The more that I look to Him. The more that I see Him. The more I recognize Him. The more that I acknowledge him in my life, the more the world can see His work in me. The world does not see God's workmanship in me by me checking off a box. This world does not see Christ in me because I wear the right things, because I go the right places, because I do the right things. That's not the way this world sees Christ in me. The way the world sees Christ in me is when I see enough of Christ that His glory bleeds through me. If, if all that is is my works, then they're not looking at Christ. They're looking at me. And to be honest with you, if that's all that we're lifting up, we're not looking at Christ we're looking at ourselves. We're, we're, we're like the one that was in the temple that beat his chest and said, I'm glad I'm not as others. But the other one said, God have mercy on me a sinner. What are you saying? I'm saying one was looking at Christ. One was looking at themselves. You and I cannot do enough 
And I don't know how you are. And I know that I make that statement a lot of times. And really, when I, st- when I say it, I do know how you are. But, but understand this. The, the more I lift myself up, the less this world sees Christ. And to be honest with you, I can't do it anyway. Every time in my life, every time in my life that I feel as though I have victory over something, that something knocks me in the back of the head and cuts me for a flip. And it's probably the same way in your life. Every time that I think I have a, in, in, the, in the words of James, every time that I think I've bridled it, it's not me bridling. What is the bridle? I'll give you this and I'll be done. What is the bridle that James is talking about? He's talking about us seeing Christ. He's talking about us resting in Christ. Because the more you rest in Christ, the more your statements are going to be in check. Not because you brought them in check, but because He did. And when He does, He can control it. I had that same, for instance, when I was talking to that gentleman this week, that same, for, that same instance, I, I was dealing with a tenant in one of the buildings that we manage. I was dealing with that tenant on the phone, and I had him on speakerphone, and this other guy was in the office while I'm talking to him, and this guy, you cannot reason with him. And the more I talked, the more he wouldn't reason. And the more he wouldn't reason, the more me climbed up inside of me. And I finally had to say, we've gone as far as we can go. I'll hand you over to my property manager and let him deal with it from here because if I go any further, I'm going to let some of me out. And, and me's not good. Uh, what are you saying? I'm saying that it is not us. It's Christ. And it's Christ doing that work in us. Who, who was able to keep that in check? Did I just have self-control? No, God kept that in check. God's the one that said, okay, now's maybe the time you quit talking. Because if you keep on, the bridle ain't going to be there. Why? Because I wasn't looking at Christ. I was looking at how offensive He was being to me. And I wasn't looking at being gracious to Him. I guess confession's good for the stole still, right? Uh, but uh, anyway, what I'm trying to say this morning is what James is telling us is that this display, this religion that he's talking about, this religion that he mentions here, this display of, of, of Christ, this ceremonious external display that we put forth, has got to be God. Yes, sir. It's not us. 
It's not even us checking off a box. It's not us putting forth an effort. It's all God. And it's all God working in our life. And if we look at it that way and we see it that way, it's not as if we walk away condemned because we weren't able to do it. I, I couldn't. But He can. And He can always. And for that, we give Him thanks. Let's pray.